Welcome to the Springs Church Podcast, where we explore the teachings of Jesus Christ and how they can be applied to our daily lives. Join us as we delve into the Bible and discuss topics such as faith, hope, love, and forgiveness. Our mission is to inspire and empower our listeners to live a life of purpose and meaning and to deepen their relationship with God. Tune in every week for a new episode as we learn how the Bible, Holy Spirit, and a relationship with Jesus will impact every area of your life. You know, a part of our church, we always like to pray for the leaders of everywhere. I think it's important to pray for your bosses. I think it's important to pray for the leaders of MLAs and MPs. I think it's important to pray for premiers and presidents and prime ministers. It's important to do all these things. And in the society that we live in, sometimes we get stuck in the gossip train and we'd rather talk about that person to someone rather than talk to God about that person. And I, I, I really firmly believe to my very core that when you choose to talk about someone to someone else, I said this last week, if you were listening, you learn to hate them. But if you choose to talk to God about the people you have problems with, you have no other reason but to love them. That's just how it works. God's love transforms you and transforms how you make others feel as well. So instead of talking about them, talk to God about them. That's the best thing we can do and pray for them. We always pray. In the, in the Manitoba province right now, we have obviously an election coming up right now for our premier. So as a church, we always remind everyone, make sure you go and practice that right that you have to vote. Be praying as a family, praying for clarity, praying for peace upon who you want to vote for, and make sure to get out and do something about it. Vote, vote, vote. It's very good for us to practice our democratic rights as people to go in and do that. That's all I'm going to say about that. I'm excited to be here, but I'm even more excited because we have Calgary joining us live today. Why don't you give a big round of applause for Calgary as they join in. Welcome, Calgary. We always say one church, one family on many locations, and that is always going to be true for Springs Church. We're so pumped that Calgary's joining us today. If you were here last week, you would have heard me talk about a message that I entitled Pause. Pausing. It's an important thing that we need to do. Why? Because the more that we walk around, the more that we find ourselves at the mall, the more that we find ourselves in work, the more people that we meet, we seem to see that so many people are in this perpetual state of busyness all of the time. No matter what, it's always busy, 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 busy. And it's, it's almost impressive to the degree of how busy people can get. I talk to people all the time, I actually just had a conversation in the hall about it, and someone was saying, we used to just pray that we could have more hours in a day. And I said, if we had 40 hours in a day, you'd still be just as busy. Why? Because it's not about your task list, it's about your state of mind, it's about your attitude behind it, it's about actually prioritizing things properly in the life that you live. If you want 60 busy hours, I'll pass, thank you. I'd rather figure out how to make the 24 hours that I get good and prioritized properly, because that's the way that God wants us to live as well. And so I went through talking about this state of perpetual busyness last week. It gets anxiety just going through our bones and veins. It makes us feel worse than we need to. It makes us feel this, this almost joy starts to just go away. It starts to fly away. It starts to get out. And, and, and the peace that we're supposed to experience as Christians, we no longer experience in the times that we're in. Why? Because we are prioritizing things above what should be prioritized. If your number one task on your to-do list is creating a lot of anxiety within you and you think that accomplishing that number one task is going to take the anxiety away, think again because then number two is going to become number one and 
number one is again going to produce that anxiousness that you feel when you have this never-ending to-do list. The problem isn't the tasks. The problem is what we prioritize in our life. That's what the first message I did. I went through a few different points in there, and today... Nothing is more real to me than the priorities that we need to set in our life. But in my, own, in my own belief, I truly believe you cannot prioritize your life until you prioritize the one thing in your life that needs to be number one, and that's God. If you don't prioritize that, we are always going to be in a state of perpetual busyness. Now, the funny thing is, is last service, last week, message. I got some feedback. It was great feedback. A lot of people saying, yeah, you're really stepping on our toes these days. I was like, I know. So I really hope that people are wearing steel toe boots today because I'm going to continue to do that. <laughs> um, no, it's, it's not though. But God's word, like I said last week, it's supposed to be convicting to you. It's supposed to, to inspire change. It's supposed to make you turn to live your best life. And living your best life and getting rid of the habits that you currently have is not going to be an easy just walk in the park. It's going to mean that you might get offended at times. You might get in spots where you're like, oh, I need to change. Usually it takes something drastic in our life to cause change. Do you not agree? It's always something crazy. It's always once we hit the wall that we decide to get our brakes fixed, okay? It's like that's how it works in every aspect of our life. It's like when do we need to stop doing that and realize that it's important to put our priorities straight, make sure they're first, and we can get going on the, on the amazing life that God has for you. He has a plan for you. It's important for us to remember that. Um, every single time, I, last, last week and this week, I, when preparing for these messages, I never have... I've had so many instances in my everyday life give me more stories and more analogies and, and things to, to share in my messages. Last week I talked about the drive-through. Um, I've grown since then, just so you guys know. Um, <laughs> might be an inside joke now if some of you weren't here last week, but that's okay. But this week um, I was at the mall and uh, yeah, I, I happened to go in the daytime because I didn't want to be the, in the busyness of, of the evening. And, and so I get what I needed to get. And I'm leaving the mall around like 4.20-ish. And I call, call my wife and she's just finished work. And she's like, hey, I, we, could, we could drive home if you want to, if, together if you want to drive back to the, to the church to pick me up. And I said, sure, yeah, no problem. It'd be fun to drive home. We can grab dinner or something like that. And so I'll, I said, I'll start coming. I'll start driving that way. And uh, pretty quick, I realized that I was in like, traffic, right? It's the worst time to drive in downtown, downtown Winnipeg. Um, and I found myself on Broadway in the middle of traffic. Um, and apparently Broadway has construction now, so that's great. Um, learned that the hard way. So my map said 33 minutes from church or from the mall to get to church, okay? So I'm sitting on Broadway and I'm telling my wife, I'm like, hey, I'll be there around 5.15, whatever it is. That was what my maps were saying. And she's like, sweet, sounds good. And then I get stuck to bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic on Broadway. And I'm like, what is going on? I don't understand this. And I see that the time, estimated time of arrival on my Maps app to slowly climb. It's like every minute it goes up by two. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what is going on here? Oh my, so I, I, it was supposed to take 32 minutes, okay? It didn't take 32 minutes, let me tell you. It didn't take 45 minutes, let me tell you. It didn't take 55 minutes. Um, it didn't take an hour. It didn't take an hour and 10 it didn't take an hour and 20. Didn't even take an hour and 30, okay? It took me one hour and 37 minutes to get from Polo Park to church. 
right? If anything tests your patience more, it's that. You're like, what is going on? I'm sitting in traffic. There was times where I didn't move an inch for 30 minutes, and I was stuck between everything. I couldn't get, a, a get away. I wasn't going to hop a curb. I, I was just like, I can't do this. I got I to gotta stay here. And so I was supposed to get there at 5.15. I ended up getting there at 6, oh man, 6.25 or something crazy like that. Hour and 37 minutes. It was insane. Now the crazy thing is, is the amount of people that seem to still be in a rush after we've been waiting there for so long. Like, come on, you missed your appointments. You missed where you had to be. Dinner's cold, so there's no point in rushing there. Like, everything is already done, okay? You, you got to just now just t take, take the, the, the cards you've been dealt in that moment and just take a nice peaceful drive home, you know? Just enjoy it. No, no. No, we all had to move our, our way in this three-lane Broadway from the, the far left two lanes and all had to get into the right line, right lane. In Winnipeg, we've learned to use zipper merges now a lot, right? If you're unfamiliar with the zipper merge, think about how a zipper gets done up in your sweater, and that's how cars should let each other in, okay? So you get let in in front of someone, and then the person behind them lets in another person, and it's like a zipper, okay? It comes together really nicely. Winnipeg doesn't like doing that. I don't know why. I don't know why, it was a zipper here the entire time. There was no connection in there. I'm watching five and six cars drive by, try to keep inches from the bumper in front of them so that they do not give you even a gleam of hope to get in front of them. And many of you are guilty of this, okay? So we laugh, but you know what I'm talking about. I've been guilty of it too, and I'm, I, I've... Anyways, okay, like I've been trying to get into this lane, finally someone lets me in. And then I'm like, what does it matter? I'm late. I have nowhere to be now. It's just like it's already passed. And so I started letting people in and started properly doing the zipper merge. It was actually really peaceful to do it the way that we're supposed to do it. And it was great because you don't realize that when you're in an unending rush all of the time, you never are satisfied with anything. Nothing. You're driving and someone cuts you off and it, ooh, it adds 17 seconds because you let someone into the car in front of you and now it's, oh, now you're going to be late. No, you're going to be late either way, okay? You left a little late and that's why you're going to be late. Anyways, now I'm just venting. Um, <laughs> but what it became so apparent in this moment is this perpetual state of busyness, regardless of, where, of, of what we are in, regardless of the situation we found ourselves in. It didn't matter. Why? Because everyone feels like they need to get somewhere as quickly as possible. They need to make sure they're never late for whatever it is. They have this unending to-do list that they seem to never get through. And it starts this just perpetual state of busyness. And nothing is going to oppose your faith, your relationships, your marriage, your family more than, than staying in this perpetual state of busyness. Now, don't take me wrong. Of course, we get busy in life sometimes. But in the world that we're in, it seems like we're in the state of busyness regardless of whether we have a big task to-do list or whether we're just going to the mall to go shopping. It doesn't matter what it is. It seems like we're stuck in this, we have to get things done, we have to get things done, we have to get things done. And you're constantly in this focus of, I need to get there as quickly as possible and I have, I have no time. That is going to ruin every relationship that you have. And like I said last week, it starts to erode the relationship you have with God. Why? Because you're not prioritizing him above what you're going through. See, prioritization is so important in our faith with Christ. If we don't prioritize God, if we don't prioritize Jesus, the way he lived first, we will never leave this perpetual state of busyness, ever. And you'll always have this unending to-do list, and you'll always need to get it done 
now. And the second a task moves up to one, like I've already said, it just brings in the entire state all back over again. You're feeling like, I just can never have enough time in a day. It's because we prioritize wrong. It's terrible. In Proverbs 16.3, it's a message. I love reading Proverbs because it brings in very simple things for us to apply to our life. And this is in Proverbs 16, verse 3. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. Commit to the Lord in whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. This verse is, is prioritizing commitment to God in all your endeavors as a key principle, as something we need to live by. But the problem is, is this state of hurriness leads us in a place where we feel like we never have enough time and we can't prioritize what we know is, is the strong thing to prioritize because we're always stuck in this state of busyness. See, in this verse, is, is, is very simple. It's only one line, but it brings up three very important things in our world with our relationship with God. First, commit to the Lord. See, this verse is instructing us to commit our actions, our plans, what we do to God. This means that we acknowledge who God is. We acknowledge that his plan is best. We acknowledge that he has plans for us to prosper and to succeed and to do better and more than what we're doing right now. See, we realize that his guidance is what we need in our life no matter what. The first is to commit to the Lord. The second in this verse, it says, in whatever you do. Everybody say whatever. You could say in all things, you could say in whatever it is, everything that we do needs, we have, have this emphasis, 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 geez. We have to emphasize the fact that we, in everything that we do, we go forward and we continue to commit to the Lord in what we're doing in our life. That means your work, that means your, your home, that means your, that means your relationships, that means in all things, decisions, daily activities, relationships, in whatever you do. And number three, I love it. Third part of that, of that verse, he will establish your plans. Who needs their plans established by God right now? I think a lot of us do. Why? Because we feel like we can never establish our own plans. We plan them and something always goes wrong. We never actually get to the degree of us needing to get to where we need to go because we get stuck in this side of feeling like our plans are never fulfilled. But this promise in this verse is that when you commit your actions and plans to God, he will establish or make them successful. It's an assurance that God is actively involved in the lives of those who trust him. Sever so the state of perpetual busyness leaves us in a place where we don't want to always trust God with everything that we are because we feel like whenever we do, maybe we don't get what we need to get done. But prioritization is so incredibly important. There's a verse in the Bible, a story, about a young rich ruler asking Jesus in the Old Testament, or New Testament, sorry, in the Gospels, and he's saying, how do I make heaven? Is pretty much what he was asking Jesus. And this, this verse gets taken out of I don't know, it just gets in a, in a weird spot sometimes because we realize that Jesus is trying to teach us stuff in how he teaches others in the Bible. There's principles behind what he is saying to people. And so I want to read out of Mark chapter 10, verse 17 to 27, because I find this verse seems to be taken out of context a lot. It says this, in, starting in 17, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. 
No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother, it says. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. I love that line. Jesus looked at him and loved him, knowing full well that this guy needed some teaching and some coaching. He says, there's one thing that you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, man, at this, this man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. We're in verse 23. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed, it says, and said to each other, who then can be saved? And verse 27, where we're ending off, says, Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. God. Now we always take this verse out of context. Jesus is trying to teach this young rich ruler how to live. Now something we have to understand is this is Old Testament. I always say this often. Sorry, not Old Testament, more even Old Covenant. So the Old Covenant, it was about works. It was about getting right with God. It was about trying to become righteous, but you never were unless you, unless you really walked the straight and narrow and you really did what the Bible said. Now enter grace. Jesus came to the earth, died, rose again, and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. We read that in the Bible because he bridged the gap for us to forever be loved and accepted by God. Forever. Meaning if you screw up, you're still accepted. doesn't mean you have to go sacrifice something to be righteous with God. We will always be in right standing with God because Jesus became the ultimate sacrifice. Now, we all, many of us know this, but we forget about it. Whenever we see Jesus walking in, in, um, in the olden days when he was there and, and we read about it in the Gospels, he's teaching people to, to live in the old covenant, and the old covenant has to do with what? It has to do with works. It has to do with gaining and earning your way into heaven based on how you live. Fast forward, Jesus died, and that's where we get into the side where the new covenant was made where all you have to do is believe on Jesus and you make heaven. So Jesus in this story was trying to teach this young rich ruler how to make heaven in the old covenant. But instead of talking about money and, and, and directly about the money being the bad thing, we have to understand that the priority, Jesus is teaching priority. He's more showing detachment. He was trying to um, explain detachment to this young rich ruler. See, in some instances in the Bible, we see that Jesus advises individuals to detach themselves from their possessions if they hinder their spiritual growth. We see that in many different verses. For example, the young rich ruler, Jesus tells the man to sell his possessions because they were a stumbling block to his relationship with God. That is what they're trying to get through in this verse. Jesus wasn't saying possessions are bad. Jesus wasn't saying money is bad. Jesus wasn't saying you should never have it. He was saying prioritize your life with God above everything else, everything. Now, we get so caught up in this verse. Why? Because it was a stumbling block and everyone just takes it into the possession side. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter. It's about detachment. Jesus is saying, look, this is a stumbling block for your relationship with God. 
And that's not a good thing. It's going to not produce the life that you, that you want, that, that God's planned for you. And now I want everyone to think about something for a moment that I want to ask you. Imagine if Jesus was here right now. Imagine he was able to have a conversation with you one on one, okay? What do you think he would ask you to rid yourself of because it's a stumbling block in your relationship with God? Think about it. Every single one of you probably had something come in your brain just there, just there instantly. I'd actually encourage you to write it down if you can or hide it from people if you don't want anyone to notice what it is. But write it down. Why? Because something hit your head right there, your brain, your thought process of something that is that stumbling block from you getting into a deeper relationship with God. Why? Because it's your number one priority. It's your number one priority. It's, it's far above, prioritized higher than your relationship with God and it becomes a stumbling block. Maybe it's shopping. Don't look at your spouse. This is right in the world we live in now. It's right down the middle, men and women, man. Both of them could be shopping tons. It doesn't matter. What about your kid's schedule? Are you so caught up in your kid's schedule that you have no, it almost becomes, becomes number one priority in your life. Maybe your business, maybe your entertainment, maybe social media, maybe your busyness like we're talking about today. Maybe your fear and anxiety, maybe your ego and your pride. What is that stumbling block? So many of us have it because we're human. We sometimes get up and forget to prioritize what should be number one in our world, in our day, everywhere that we go. We forget, of course, there's things. We're human. I get it. But what is it? What would Jesus look at you in the eye and go, that's a stumbling block. You should rid yourself of that. He's not saying you should never have that. He's saying until you learn a healthy way of having that, maybe you should rid yourself of it. That's what he was saying to this young rich ruler. He's saying, look, in the money that we live in, or in the money, in, in the world that we live in, there's so many people that can do so many amazing things with money, with, with wealth, with prosperity. It's important. But when that becomes your number one priority in life, your relationship with God hinders, no matter what. I love the pin drop. It's great. I can hear it. It, that's, what, that's the important thing of where we are. See, if you are in a state of busyness all of the time, you will have something in your life that is a stumbling block to growing in your faith in God. Period. No matter what. It's just how it's going to work all of the time. Think about your life right now. Are you in a state of perpetual busyness? If I gave you an extra two hours every day, would that help? Would you actually be able to get more done or would you just add twice as much to your to-do list? I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm not trying to step on people's toes. I'm not trying to change the way that you live. But I do, as a pastor, want everyone to experience the life that God has for them. And the state of busyness will always be a barrier no matter what, to you growing in a deeper relationship with God, period. There's no other way around it. Is it okay to be busy? Of course it is. Sometimes we are busy. Don't take me off on the deep end over there, okay? The deep end is, there's, for every mile of road, my dad used to always say there's two miles of ditch. Don't get caught in the ditch right now. The busyness comes. Of course we have things we need to get done. Of course we have, some people have businesses to run. You're, you're an employee somewhere and, and most of your nine to five, you have to work. Of course you're busy, okay? But it's the state that the second you do have your own time that you can manage, 
you're busy again, no matter what. It's this perpetual busyness. In this, in this little series that I've been doing about pausing in our life, I seem to like to end my message with three points. And I want to talk about three points today in helping you prioritize your life. And this first one's going to step on some toes, okay? It's usually nicer than you probably anticipate when I say that. But number one is you can't do it all. Okay? You can't do it all. And don't quote scripture to me, okay, and say, well, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Okay? Yes, but God's not expecting you to do it all at once, okay? You got to get off your to-do list sometimes in order to just get something done properly and prioritize it well in the life that you live. Of course, with God, you can do more than you've ever dreamed of. Absolutely. That's what the word of God is. But most of you ditch God and try to do it all because you don't prioritize it high. You don't get into a place where you can actually have a relationship with God and he is your number one and he is behind no one. And once we do that, we all adopt this lifestyle of I need to do everything that's there. I am a FOMO type of guy, okay? For those of you that don't know what FOMO stands for, it's fear of missing out, okay? It makes me say yes a lot to things that I just feel like if I said no, I'd be sitting at home wishing I was doing that with people, hanging out with people. It's this fear of missing out. There seems to be always one in every relationship. God somehow always brings opposites together, right? So I have a fear of missing out. When I, when I first got married, it was a hard thing. I was saying yes to everything. I wasn't prioritizing properly. I was doing everything I possibly could to fill my schedule up. Why? Because if I didn't do that, I'd be sitting at home going, oh, I, 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 what, I wonder what they're doing over there. They're, they're probably having a lot of fun. They're probably laughing. It's like they're probably having a great time. It's this fear of missing out. I married someone that doesn't have that fear. I swear it's God. <laughs> it is. It's a test every single time, but I've learned to come away from the FOMO side and enter into what she calls the JOMO side. You know what that means? You can probably put two and two together. The joy of missing out, okay? It's the joy of missing out. Now, let me say something here, okay? We have this lifestyle where when you don't realize to understand what JOMO really can do for your life is when you can actually start to implement that pause that we talk about. We can actually start to implement proper priorities when you realize you actually have more joy when you miss out sometimes, okay? I'm not saying you miss out on everything, but prioritize what you think is the things you want in your life. And apart from that, just enjoy the ride of Jomo where you say, sorry, I can't make that. And then you're sitting at home enjoying what you prioritized in your life because it's better because you have peace. It's a Jomo. Yeah, give Jesus a hand. When we have this joy of missing out, it allows us to establish plans and God to establish our plans in pausing. It allows us to ditch the perpetual state of busyness. It allows us to go on to do what God's called us to do. I said this last week, it would be a shame not for us to denounce our faith. We, don't, we seem to not be in that spot where people are worried about denouncing their faith. But one guy put it really good in, in a book that I wrote, he, or wrote, read. He said, <laughs> yeah, okay, I didn't write one yet. He, he, said, he, he said something that was really, really cool. He said, it's the fear, the danger is not denouncing 
your faith. The danger is that you stay rushed your entire life and you never live the life that God planned for you and therefore you never actually establish this strong faith because it just doesn't seem worth living. When we prioritize God above everything, you start to realize that he will establish your plans, but I almost go further than that. He'll make better plans for you and you won't realize that those plans are better until you're living your life going, I never planned this, but it's amazing. I love where I am. I love the people around me, my family, my business, whatever it is. That's where you get into the spot with God. See, you can't do it all. You can't. You have to find that, that spot, that spot where you can just nicely sit back and go, no, I'm, I'm missing out, and I'm going to have joy while I do it. In Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 3, verse 1 to 8, we read something that King Solomon wrote, okay? And King Solomon wrote, um, lived a long life. He, he was a king. He was a part of wars. He was a part of killing. He was a part of a lot of different things. And he wrote this, what they assumed to be in his old age, because it seemed to be very, very wise. And he says this, to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to gain, a time to lose, a time to keep, and a time to throw away, a time to tear, and a time to sow, a time to keep silence, and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, and a time of war, and a time of peace. What is he emphasizing in this? That there's a season for everything. You can't always stack your schedule to try to get everything done in one season. He's probably emphasizing the fact that learn to find joy in every season. He's probably saying learn to find joy when maybe your external circumstances make you explain the fact that you feel lonely. Maybe the external circumstances make you feel like life's not worth living. He's saying there's a season, not for feeling like life's not, not worth living, but there's a, a season for experiencing this and, and understanding that God's best is still ahead of you. And when you understand that, you start to take in a completely different prioritization to your life. It's something we all need to learn. Prioritize. You can't do it all. Number two, prioritize what truly matters. What truly matters in your life? In Matthew 6, it says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God. This again highlights the prioritization of God in our lives, of how we need to live, of the relationship that we choose to make. See, love God and love others is a theme in the Bible. Why? Because it was the two greatest commandments in the Bible. Jesus was asked this and he said, the first is this, love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And the second is like it, Jesus said. He said, love your neighbor as yourself dwindle those two things down, love God and love people, period. Now, how do you spell love? T-I-M-E. And what are you short of right now? T-I-M-E. Always. Doesn't matter what day it is. Doesn't matter what day of the week it is. Doesn't matter what weekend. Doesn't matter if it's a long weekend. Doesn't matter if you have four days off in a row or two weeks off or whether you're going to Mexico or you're staying on a staycation. Time seems to always not be on our side. But love needs that prioritization of time. You cannot make others feel loved until you choose to invest time. 
okay? What truly matters in your life can feel loved by you if you just choose to take time. But going even deeper, you will never feel the love of God. When you know God, you will love him. And you can only know God by what? Spending time with him. Time is massive and we have to do it all of the time. Why? Some of you are like, oh man, I don't know if I can fit that in. Ditch the task list, okay, for a bit. Find what the, the number one priorities are in your life and establish that in your life. And I guarantee within a week or two weeks, you'll be feeling so different and realize that what you thought was so intensely important becomes probably the lowest on your priority list because that's just how it works. We must prioritize our relationship with God above everything. One last story for one last point. When I moved to Calgary and I was 12 years old, my whole family, when my dad announced going to Calgary, my whole family moved to Calgary to help start the church out there. So from about 12 to 17 or 18, I lived in Calgary. Now, don't boo me off stage, okay? But when I left Winnipeg, the Jets weren't here. They, they left us, okay? And so I never had experience with NHL until I moved to Calgary and therefore I became a Flames fan pretty quickly. Yeah. Hey, the first service didn't boo me, okay? Not to compare services, but come on. And so I was at a game one time when I was in my teens, and um, there was this, this really cute kid that would always come and sit directly behind the goalie, every Calgary Flames game. He was in getup of goalie equipment. I'm saying the identical specs of the goalie, the starting goaltender on the then Flames, okay? He had the exact same pads. He had, I think he might have even had skates on, like with skate guards. I don't even remember how far he went into it. He had the same jersey with the name of that guy on it. He had the exact same painted mask. He had the same glove, stick. He had everything to be an imitator of this goalie. He would stand behind in, in his like, pose on, on, on being a goalie and he would do the exact same warm-up at the exact same time of this goalie. I'm saying to the point of like touching the post, which post is first. I'm saying he'd grab his water, he'd squirt it on the ground at the same time that the goalie would squirt it on the ground and then squirt it in his mouth and then put it back on the net. I'm saying he had it down to a T. Was it cute? Absolutely, it was so cute. He was this little kid, probably like six years old. And he, you could tell, looked up to this goalie with everything that he had within him, which I think is really cool. But how cool would it be if we looked up to Jesus that way and imitated our life like that after Jesus? That is how it should work in the world that we live in. We are to be imitators of Christ. Now, when you find someone that is, is a mentor to you and you feel like, I want to become more like this person, that's not a bad thing. But I love the way that Paul says it. He says, follow me as I follow Christ. Be more like me because I'm going to go be more like Christ. And in that way, guess what? You're going to become more like Christ. Why? Because if I'm your mentor, if this other person's your mentor, the more you watch me, the more you'll see me imitating who? Jesus, which is phenomenal. And I've said this before, but I'll say it again as I close. If getting into heaven was the only goal for a Christian, okay, God would have taken us the moment we accepted Christ. The moment. We're called to show Jesus to the people around us. We're, that's the only way the world will ever experience God's love. If heaven is your only motivation, you're living in selfishness, not love. Why? Because we are called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. 
We are called to show love to others that may have never and will never experience Jesus without us. Why? You could put a bunch of whys behind that. Maybe they had a terrible experience at church and they're just done with church, done with religion, done with Jesus, done with God, whatever it might be. But then you enter in us, Christians that believe in Jesus walking this planet. And when you walk around, you could be just like that little kid in that goalie, but except for Jesus. Where people see you and they go, whoa, something is different. Something's different within that person. We're not better. We just have access to Jesus. And when we imitate Christ, it changes your entire perspective of life. Why do you think God sent Jesus as a man who bled our blood, who thought our thoughts, who was tempted with what tempts us, and he walked the earth, and it's written about all in the Bible. Why? Because we are to be imitators of that. He walked himself into experiences that we find ourselves in daily. Yes, it might not be the same thing, okay? It's thousands of years apart, but the principles stay the same. How he treated people, how he loved people. Even in the, in the instance of that rich young ruler, it said, it's paused for a moment and said, and he loved him before he responded. How are we to love others if we don't ever imitate the one true God of love? When we choose this imitation, oh my gosh, it is something that will completely open your eyes to living a life of peace and joy, living a life where you don't need to be always busy, living a life to where you prioritize things correctly, where you have the right priorities in place so that you can live the life that God has created you to live. Imagine peace. When I look around, and I'm sure you see, the, see the same thing, it seems like people are in need of peace all the time. I've never seen more people struggle with anxiety. I've never seen more people struggle with, with no hope. I've never seen more people struggle with this state of busyness that leaves them in a state of anxiety for their entire life. Every morning, every night, every midday, every lunch, every dinner. doesn't matter who they're hanging out with. It might make them forget about it for a bit, but it still returns them to that same state. This perpetual busyness is in direct opposition of your faith and your walk with God. And I want to leave that just one question again. I said to you earlier, if Jesus was in front of you right now, what would he ask yourself to rid your life of? Because it's, a, it's acting as a stumbling block in your relationship with God. Take that with you. Go into your home today. Go into your week and start to ask yourself that. Because your prioritizations will change. And when they do, your entire life will as well. As long as you prioritize God first. Amen? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Every single week at church, we always take time to, of course, bring the word of God. Every week we do our best to just, I don't know, prepare something that I need for myself and it helps me in what I'm dealing with. And I can't help but be so excited seeing changes in my life with, with the word of God and the way that I'm applying it Then I wanted to share it with everyone else so they can too have the chance, be given the chance to just apply that same scripture, that same word to their own life and see change. And many of us are Christians here, which is great. But a church full of just Christians, it's great. We can learn. But man, Jesus is life-changing. There's so many people in here right now, I bet you that maybe have never accepted Jesus into your life. Maybe you've been coming 
for a while. Maybe you're here for the first time today, whatever it might be, but you feel inside of you right now. I know you probably do. You feel this maybe gut feeling of needing to be a part of Jesus's family, needing to accept Jesus into your life. And if you feel that right now and you want to make that decision with no one looking around, every head bowed, every eyes closed, I I want you to just look up at me. Only me is looking around. Just me and God are going to see this. And I want you to just give me a quick wave if you want to be included in the prayer to accept Jesus today. Raise your hand nice and high. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. So good. Thank you. So amazing. Thank you. So great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, awesome. Thank you. You're making such an amazing decision right now. We are constantly in this this state where we could be in something that God wants for us and has for us. Thank you. And it would be a shame if we never experienced the life that God has planned for you simply because we stay in this state of busyness all the time. Look around real quick just in case I I missed a hand and then we're going to pray. Everyone in this room is going to pray the prayer after me so that no one feels left out. The prayer goes like this. Father, in Jesus' name, I give you my life. Please come into my heart. From today and on, I'm following you. Give me the power to change every day, every year, for the rest of my life. Jesus, I am following you. In your name, amen and amen. Let's give a round of applause to all those amazing people that made that decision.